0: Welcome to CORE 242 Podcast, brought to you by CORE Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. So, excited that we're continuing our series on Armor of God. Uh, last time we met, um, we, we did the introduction of why do we even need the Armor of God and what are we fighting? And we, I think the biggest takeaway was the whole thing of standing firm. That the victory has been won, the fight the fought has already happened on the cross and the, and the resurrection. So now we're just standing firm in our faith. Uh, but we need to remember that as we stand firm, there's some things that we need to have be equipped with. So Paul gives us these uh, pieces of armor, that we need to hold on to. And we're not going to focus so much on the actual armor part. We don't need to like get into the, oh, the sword. It's, it's, you know, two handed and it's sharp. We we don't need to talk. The whole point is what's behind that. All right. So today we're, what we're going to look about is the belt of truth. Well, the scripture is in Ephesians chapter six. And uh, we're going to start in verse 14. And it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist okay and i'll just stop there because that's what we're focusing on <laughs> so, i'm like and we don't need to re- keep you pre- uh, pretty on that um so the belt of truth buckled around her waist there's there's not a lot to say about it we, we can make stuff up i've heard uh, as i was preparing for this i heard so many interesting ideas about belt of truth and it it does this and does that. It was a belt.
1: And why it was a belt? It, it was what did the belt do? They kept notches to yeah. mark their victories. And yeah, so the, the, the difference be- between a, a civilian belt versus a, a military belt. And we'll, we can talk a little bit about the actual clothing and why Paul says what he says, but we really want to hone in and spend most of the time talking about the principle behind it. In this case, truth. Truth is the important part, that we as Christians need to be prepared and girded up with the truth. That's the very first thing that we should put on. Um, And I think it's interesting because love is important and love is something that we should do. But as Ephesians 4.15 says that we're supposed to speak the truth in love, that truth is the very first thing. It's our first line of defense. So before we do anything else, before we put anything else on, before a word comes out of our mouths, we should be putting on the belt of truth
0: yeah so with the belt of truth the, the, little, the kind of little things about the belt that that kind of Trish talked about again it's just a simple thing it's the belt held their weapon, and we're going to talk about the, the sword of the spirit later on. Um, I thought the cool thing is that they're going to help us with the belt of truth is that they had on the front of the belt there would be decorative beads, and in those beads they would put uh, it would be the same thing like right now we would do medals on our chest when people in the fight wars and they go somewhere. They get little medals of where they fought and the things that they've done. So they would use on the belt, they would put that on. So when I was looking at that, because of those things, because of the victories, those are kind of our notches in our truth. Like what you were saying, what God provided for me. I remember that God provided me and that's why I know that he is true. I remember when he saved me from this. I remember when he provided me for this. So those are kind of little notches, and that's why I can say that God is true. God is faithful. The Bible is true. God is faithful. Because the, the, our, my belt testifies on it. It testifies to the truth of who God is. So it's just kind of a little, little part of that that I thought.
1: And that's a good visual because... Uh-huh. Our testimony is the truth on which we stand. So the enemy likes to attack us when it comes to who we are, our identity, um, questioning. You know, in the very beginning, he says, "Did God really say?" And we can look back at those. You know, at that belt of truth, at at our testimony. Mm and say no god is god is for me he's not against me that i am a child of god and we can combat the enemy's lies with the truth of who we are that no weapon formed against me shall prosper that i you know he will never leave me nor forsake me that all of these things when the enemy tries to tell you that you're forgotten that you're worthless that you you come back and you go on your testimony of what what god has done for you yesterday he's the same yesterday today and forever and so we can use those testimonies um, that is the truth on which we stand. Yeah. Amen.
0: Yeah. So um, I, I love the word like when it, it talks about in the other translations here. Here it just says just put on. Uh, other translation says gird yourself. And I was asking like, what, what does gird actually mean? Like, but it's it's really like bind yourself in the truth. We need we need to truly truly take take on what truth is and just hold on to that to prepare for what is coming right so so for us even in that we're going to have a lot of questions people are going to ask questions about why do we think our our faith is true why is the bible is true why do you believe in these things and we need to be prepared for that we really yeah. need to have preparation and this is not going to be an uh, apologetic uh teaching because that's a totally different uh sermon in itself because there's so so much things there but we need to have some kind of education to why we believe the bible is true right so i i just i sat down and i honestly i just i just googled a couple of things and i wanted to share with you guys we we all know that the bible is 66 books there's 40 about 40 authors that wrote those 66 books and they, they start off with somebody who was a shepherd to somebody who was a scholar like Paul, right? So all these people, 40 people wrote these books. It's written in three different languages. We have Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Um, 1,600 years of history are put on in, in, the, in, those, in those books that you can – that is connected to actual historical books that people believe are true, right, as facts the The amazing thing about it is how it's connected. That from Genesis to Revelation, there's this redemptive um, teaching, redemptive story of us falling into sin and being redeemed by the Messiah, from beginning to the end. From from the day that the, that that God said that with with the heel of your offspring. You will crush the you uh, your head will be crushed right from the beginning, and then we see it happening so the story is so amazing and it's just um there's this amazing picture I don't know if you guys ever ever seen it and it's it's the connection of references references of the Bible how mm-hmm. it's connected I don't know if you guys have well, seen this yeah. but it's just the connection from the Old Testament, like the references, it's
1: so these are like where the prophecies were, and this is where the fulfillment is, mm-hmm. where references go back and mm-hmm. and tie scripture into each other. That's so cool! So it's an it's an incredible diagram of how many times a scripture is interwoven with itself, and and that sort of um, unity, that sort of resonance, um, is makes it an incredible literary work. That that can't be done. You don't see that sort of. Continuity, that sort of harmony, um, that sort of balance, in any other writing, in any other scriptural, in any other spiritual writings of other religions, you don't see it in even the great works of, you know, someone like Shakespeare. So Scripture is completely unique in its ability to to resonate and to testify and and to find harmony with each other. Um, it makes it totally set apart from any other book that has ever existed. So cool.
0: Yeah, and then, and then so that was kind of a cool thing. And then, uh, then one of the things the, the commentary talked about was how people always discuss about different translations. So I was like, well, this is wrong, this is wrong. Because it's been translated so many times, there's some fault in it. But what he pointed out, which I told Trish, and Trish was like, of course. But for some reason, I missed, I missed it, is that every time they translated something, they went to the original source it's not that NIV translated from King James right, and ESV right. translated from NIV. They kept on going to the original source. So there was only one translation from one to another. There's not like 12... It's not, it's not a broken telephone. Or, right. Right? That's the game? Right? right. It's, not, it's not that I said, I said one word and by the time it came back to you, it got... No, it's I told you and I told you and everybody got... So even in that, when people come to you with this idea is about the translations, that there's so many translations, but they all come from the and same source. And they serve source. different
1: purposes.
0: Yeah. Right. So, so and that's
1: why they're different, because they're written for a different... to reach an, an impact in a different way, to make sure that the message gets across. So, you know, you can find... people can nitpick and say, but there's so many differences between the different translations. But if you had someone speaking Spanish, for example, and you had a translator you could have three different translators they all would translate slightly differently that doesn't mean that their translation is invalid it just is a different they're they're hearing the message and they're just finding a different emphasis that they feel needs to be brought forward in the interpretation and that's really what happens with the different translations of scripture is that there's a different sort of theological emphasis that they feel needs to come to the forefront and it might be the you know the gospels are the same way what we're really talking about here is the truth of You know, of our testimony, of our personal testimony, the the testimony of scripture and the testimony of Jesus. These are the three truths that we build our faith on. And so, you know, we just talked about the truth of scripture and how it speaks to itself. But the the testimony of Jesus in and of itself, when you look at the Gospels, there's so much um, synchronization between the gospel testimonies, between the four Gospels. There's differences, so you can tell that they were written by different authors, but again, it was because they were writing to different audiences, and they felt a different emphasis needed to come forth. It might have been the humanity of Jesus, it might have been the messianic fulfillment that was found in Jesus, it may have been um, the divinity of Jesus, that whatever it was that they felt um, was most important to be emphasized, that, that gospel... Um, highlights that in a different way. And, and there may be more miracles that were told, or they might be told in a slightly different order. But there's so much continuity. And again, people use that to say, well, if they were all why aren't they all identical? Well, actually, if they were completely identical, they would be more suspicious. Yeah. yeah. The fact that there's some nuanced differences validates the fact that they were different eyewitness testimonies, that they were written by different people who saw the same events but interpreted them slightly differently. The same way as if you were to witness a crime and you asked people on the crime scene to yeah. say what happened. If they all give the same testimony, you start to wonder if they were all in on the crime as opposed to saying that these were valid eyewitnesses. Yeah.
0: And even in the gospel, like one of the things is like, it's too honest. Like if I was Peter, I think I would take away the whole denial of Jesus mm-hmm. or being called Satan.
1: Right. Like, I think Get I would, take, Satan, I
0: would right. take some things out if between I, me and God. You know, it's, I wouldn't put that honesty in there, you know? I know it, it was it was real because like in the, in the book of John when when they ran to the tomb, like John
1: makes a point by, makes a point that,
0: that he got there before God. Peter. Yeah. You know, it's it's like oh the yeah. The beloved
1: disciple got there first. Oh, really? yeah. I wonder who the beloved disciple is. Oh, by the way, this is me. <laughs> you know, I beat him. I was faster.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just it's just as you read this, it's very real. Uh, I witnessed this real. It's real thing. It's way too honest. Like, there's so many things that I would not write. Yeah, I'd write about on this rock. You, you know, I would, I would write that part or walking on water. But there's so many other things that I would definitely, or and the naked guy ran away.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did you put that in there? Well, it, it, it happened. It's it's just there's so many so many things that uh, that show from prophecy to to. To fulfillment of the prophecies that it just cannot be denied and it's so historic so historically accurate where they find uh, archaeologically they find yeah. things that are talked about all these kings and there's a reason why as you read it they're like and this king was there and this king was there and then you go into historical writings and they're there you know the the prophecies is just amazing one of the things that as I was researching this that blew my mind the psalm 22 uh, talks about Psalm 22 is one of the most uh, prophetic messianic way about crucifixion and everything else. And verse 16 says, "Dogs have surrounded me, and band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet." And it, it keeps on going. What What was interesting? This that Psalm was written at, at 560, 587 BC. That That's what they're assuming. Crucifixion did not come to this era till three hundred. So. 200 years before crucifixion was even a thing, the prophecy was written about him being crucified.
1: Before that sort of torturing that even had been created. So
0: you see this truth that's there. So when people are talking, we need to, we cannot be shaken. But we need to know these things. So when people question us, I was like, "Why, why do you feel like this is true? Why is your... Uh, why is your faith is true? Why is your Bible is true? You keep on going to your Bible is because this is the truest thing. And there's so much more. Again, as, as I was researching this, I was listening to all these apologetic videos and everything else. And it's just so, so amazing. that as, as going as deep as our DNA, how God created perfectly in DNA. And it shows in the Bible from the beginning to the end how good he is and how really uh, he shaped, he absolutely shaped this world, and so I'm not going to go into that. Please research that, or maybe we'll do. Uh, we'll but it's so important,
1: that. and this is something that's being lost in the church: is that we are listening to to you know uh, more self help teachings and mm. um, topical sermons that don't really give people biblical literacy. Mm. And what's happening is is that we're losing the truth mm-hmm. that gives us so much power in the spiritual. Because remember, this is this takes us back. This is the armor of God. So this is in order to deal with spiritual warfare. And if we don't have the truth, then we are not prepared to engage in the enemy's schemes. We're not prepared to stand firm. How did, when Jesus was tempted, right? He gets taken into the wilderness and the enemy attacks him with scripture. And he needed to know scripture in order to stand his ground. So the truth um, is, you know, Jesus says that then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. And we are in bondage to sin. We are in bondage to the lies of the enemy. And if we don't know the truth of our testimony and the truth of Scripture, then we will. We were. We are not free. We're still in bondage. And we need to know the truth and stand on the truth. That this is not just an opinion. This is not just mm. one faith among a buffet of faiths that you just seem to have chosen because it's the most convenient one, or it's because huh. it's what your parents believed, or you know, or because you you think it sounds good you know and it's full of love and mercy and kindness um and you like the portrayal of you this is not that kind of faith we have to stand on this this is the truth there is only one truth Mm -hmm. and and the scriptures point to that truth Uh, i was going to read from uh, john chapter 14 verse 6 this is the third so there's the truth of our testimony the truth of scripture and then the truth of of christ himself his life Death and resurrection—that is the truth on which we stand. So, in John fourteen verse six, Jesus answered, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So He is the truth. He is the truth. All of Scripture is pointing the—you know—that diagram that we showed you, the prophecies that are referred to in the New Testament, and the New Testament that looks backward at the Old Testament. All of scripture is pointing to and telling the story of Jesus. He is the truth. The truth is that the enemy thought he had us in the garden. The enemy thought he had us at the cross. The enemy thought he had you in that moment of weakness when you were alone or when you were frustrated and depressed. But the truth is, if you know the person of Jesus, he is the truth that will set you free. It's through the relationship with him that we are set free
0: no absolutely absolutely and at the end of at the end of the jesus days when he is in front of the Pilate, he keeps reminding them he keeps reminding him of what truth is in john eighteen thirty six says Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world if it were my, if it were my servants would fight to prevent me my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from another place um, you're a king then the Pilate said. Jesus says, you're right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into this world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So him coming here, first of all, us believing in him and believing that he came on this earth to show the truth, to testify to the truth and what it is that he is the Messiah, that he is the answer to the sin and the fall and everything else. And he is the one who's going to bring us back to his kingdom through him. So we hold on to that truth. We need to hold on to that truth because without that truth, we are lost. And we, we need to believe in that truth. That's, that's the other thing. It's not something that we just believe on Sundays or anything like that. This is a, something that we live on daily and it has to be kind of in our hearts. It's Psalm one nineteen talks about that put, putting the God's word in our hearts. So when when things come, it's the, the truth is already there. So that way we, we would not be cheated, we would not be confused, we would not be by any by anybody, especially uh, especially the devil when he attacks us. We need to have that truth. As long as we have that truth, when that attack comes, it's the whole thing. If somebody again going with that parachute uh, thing from last time, if somebody tell, gives me the parachute and tells you it's going to work. I have to rely on that and know that I'm going to jump. And at a certain amount of feet, I know that the truth is, when I pull this, the, the parachute is going to come out. But I need to stand on that because otherwise I'm not jumping. Right? If I didn't believe that this parachute is going to open, that that's the truth, that I'm not going to jump. And so for us, if we don't believe that Jesus... Is the Messiah. He's the one who died on the cross for us and God raised him from the dead. That when we die, we will have the same resurrection. If we don't believe that truly, that this Christian life is going to be very hard. Mm -hmm. We need to have that truth. We need to have that truth because when the time comes to pull that parachute when the time comes to take that last breath, it's going to be a very hard one.
1: And the reality is, is that when we talk about truth... You know philosophers have tried to unpack what is truth you know people question all the world religions and how do you know what is truth and there's all this esoteric ideas about truth and the relativity of truth and now people talk about my truth my personal truth you know we could just sit here all day the reality is is that truth according to scripture and according to what you know we read where jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me truth is not your experience it's not an emotion, it's not something you feel truth is not even a set of doctrines or right ideas you could believe all the right things but James makes it clear, he says even the demons believe in God and shudder uh. so truth, when we really break it down then what is it? truth is the person of Jesus Christ You have to have a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth and he will lead you into the truth because the truth requires, like you said, that jumping out of the airplane with the parachute, it requires action. It's not just adhering to a certain theological principles and you check the boxes that you believe the right, you know, you you can pray a certain creed and recite a certain scripture. The, the truth is a person that you need to know. You need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior and follow what He tells you to do. And He will lead you into the truth. Um, like the Good Shepherd, right? Who leads us beside still waters, who leads us to green pastures. He, he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. This world is the valley of the shadow of death. And in order to get through it, we need to know the truth, which is the Good Shepherd. And he leads us through. Because I don't know about you, but I need direction for every single day. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, know, what do you want to do with your life? I have no idea what I, you know, most of the days we're just trying to get through, right? If we're really honest about it. We, We might have some grand goals or visions or ideas of things that we would like to accomplish in our lifetime. But we never know if those things will come to pass. We don't know if we'll ever get that job. We don't know if the economy will dry up. We don't know if there'll be war. We don't know if we'll get... A bad diagnosis we we have no idea what tomorrow will bring and so all of us are really just blindly making our way through this life but when you have christ in your life you're filled with his holy spirit and his holy spirit is again then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free you know the truth not as a as an idea mm-hmm. but you know the truth as a person and he sets you free through the power of the holy spirit yes. he leads us in the way that we need to go to become free from our sin. To become free from our, our fallen nature. To become free from our selfish and sinful desires. And that's the path that he leads us through.
0: Absolutely. So as we're talking about standing firm with the truth. We want to talk about what are some of the things that can attack our truth. And the first one that we want to talk about sadly it's mostly coming in the church. And the, this, this attack is Traditions. Uh, Jesus talks about it in Mark chapter seven, and I'm going to start in verse five. It says, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating, of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men and verse eight, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding onto the traditions of man.
1: So this is the first really dangerous territory that we get into when we put on the full armor of God. Are you putting on the belt of truth? Or are you putting on the belt of tradition? Mm. Yep. Are you doing things just because it's what's always been done in your church or it's because it's always been done in your family or maybe because it's just the way you've always done it? You know, we, we take on the traditions of men and we go through the motions. And like the scripture says, we honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Right. And so some of us, you know, we're not able to stand firm because the belt that we're putting on is not the belt of truth. It's the belt of tradition. It's purely traditions that have been taught by men.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that's to me is it is mostly from the church. This things we're bringing, bringing these attacks from or seeing these attacks are in the church. It's these traditions. Well, that's how we always done it. And that's where it ends. But where is it in the word of God? Where do you see that in the word of God? If we're talking about this is the truth and here's the traditions, how are these traditions looked upon in the scripture? And that's very important. And maybe those traditions doesn't hurt you, but they're not the truth. So when the enemy comes at you and you're like, well, traditionally, this is what we did. That's not going to hold up because if it's traditionally and that's because my mom and dad taught me this or my old pastor, my youth pastor taught me this when I was younger. That's not going to hold in. But when it's just straight from the scripture, from the word of God and we know the word of God is true, that's what's going to hold us against the attacks that, uh, that come in our way.
1: And that's even we even get to the point of, um, you know, where superstitions creep into the church. And we, you know, we might look at. For example, I, I have a very dear friend who's Roman Catholic, and she believes a lot of the same things scripturally. The Catholic Church has, you know, a lot of the same scripture, and yet they've fallen into this, you know, the rope tradition and ritual and all of that. But they're not alone in doing that. It's like, well, why do you why do you pray that prayer? Why do you you know why do you say that? Why do you do the sign of the cross? Why do you? And there's absolutely no idea. It's just it's just habit. Um, with no thought behind it and yet we count on these things to almost like lucky charms or for blessings and rather than counting on the relationship that we have with jesus as our lord and savior and we're falling into the same trap that the pharisees and the sadducees had where here they're saying well why don't they clean their hands and why don't they fast like we fast and why don't they were asking these questions and it's it's not only our roman catholic brothers and sisters that do that it's it's in the Protestant church as well. You know, it's well why do you fast? Well, why do you pray in tongues? Well, why do you do, you know, and some of these things we've had conversations about over the last few months um as as a community and really unpacked like is this really biblical mm-hmm. what we're doing or are we doing this because this is how we've always seen how it done? Seen it,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And rolling some things back and saying, "Well, this is really just a tradition, but it's not necessarily harmful." Mm-hmm. And other things saying no, we need to take a hard look at this because this tradition totally goes against, for example, what biblical community should look like. You know, what what Paul's prescription is for an orderly worship service. And we need to take a look at that and, and roll some of those traditions back because they're not God-honoring.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think the biggest thing is that is, is it bringing you closer to God or further from God? Is, is it putting you somewhere... Where, again, it's, it's just some, it's, it's a show. It's something that we do instead of something that is worship to God. I think, I think that's the biggest thing for traditions about hurtful or not hurtful. Um, is it honoring God? I think that's, to me, that's the biggest thing with that.
1: So the second thing that we tend to get uh, lost with, instead of putting on the belt of truth, we put on a belt of false teaching. Um, this is really dangerous just because something preaches well or sounds good doesn't mean it's sound biblical doctrine so we need to be careful that we're that if we're saying that we're leaning on the truth even the truth of scripture people can take scripture and proof text you can come up with an idea like faith healing or health and wealth gospel and all of these teachings that are out there and you can cherry pick scriptures to support your idea and really it's completely false teaching. So you're taking the word of God and you're distorting it um, to support a false doctrine. And some of us are putting on this belt of quote-unquote truth, but it's actually false teaching. And so then we're going to find ourselves slipping and falling when we see a loved one suffer- suffering, for example, and not being healed, and we think it's because we're not praying hard enough or we just didn't have enough faith. Yeah. And and that's not true. That's not. It's God is sovereign and He decides who will be healed and who will not be healed. And so that's just one area. You know, when we didn't get the job that we thought that God, you know, we had named it and claimed it. Why didn't I get that job? Well, that's because that's not how scripture really works. So the truth that we're standing on is false teaching. And we need to be careful of that. So that's the second area. And 2 Timothy chapter 4 um, has this verse, which you've probably heard before, but it, it warns us of this. It says, Um, verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3 of 2 Timothy. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Mm -hmm. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. So that's verses 3 through 6. And so he's warning us of this exact thing that we turn away from the truth and we start listening to doctrines that sound good. They preach well, they're charismatic you know, teachers. Um, and this is something that the enemy is using and that's really dangerous for us as believers today. When we listen, especially with such an easy access to information, mm. you can scroll through Spotify. You can scroll through YouTube. You can find any kind of teacher to teach you whatever you want to hear. And they can make it sound so good and if we just chase after preachers who sound good and who preach well or who are attractive and seem to have it all together, <laughs> we fall down a slippery slope of possibly putting on a belt that's a belt of false teaching instead of the truth.
0: Yeah, it's, it's scary. It was, it was just preparing for this and looking at this and, again, going through YouTube and seeing say, oh, some amazing. of the ugliness that's there they will preach anything they'll take any topic and they'll start preaching about about this the the sparkle uh, creed i don't know if you guys seen the sparkle creed the it, it's it, oh yeah you've seen it right so you look at it and they took scripture and you're like and they made it into this evil Statements that are so untrue. But if there are people who like, hey, I want a God that honors my lifestyle, I'm gonna find a pastor who's gonna tell me that it's okay. And the pastors, as long as they're getting paid, they're gonna say whatever needs to be said because they want to fill in the the their churches and everything else. So they will they will change. The doctrines and the biblical things it's like oh no that's not actually what it said and this is it's just it's heartbreaking but it's such well, it a
1: utilizes catchphrases that sound warm and loving and like they come from some sort of biblical principle but it's a distortion of of the biblical principles a distortion yeah. of the image of god and really it's a it's taking a christian creed and re you know reinventing it into an image an image of God, we're basically, you know, there's that old saying that God made man in his his image and man returned the favor. It's making God in our image is what what it's doing. It's trying to make God politically relevant and caught up to the times. And and that's just one example of of the types of things that we're talking about that is dangerous. That's out there. That just because, you know, some of scripture is weird. Some of, I'm going to be honest. Some of it is uncomfortable. Some of it is hard. And, you know, even down to, you know, we, we've taught about um, how we believe in the full and we affirm the full gifting of women as preachers and teachers. And there's so much biblical text to support that. But there's still those couple of scriptures that you could just trip over and you could get stuck there. And I, as a woman who preaches, being totally honest and transparent, I stand before the Lord and I pray and I say, Lord, if I'm wrong on this, please give me your mercy and grace. Because I would rather, I I weighed the pros and cons that his fire, his word is like a fire in my bones. And if I don't preach it, I don't want to stand before him and he say that I did a disservice and I didn't preach and teach when he had gifted me to do so. On the other hand, I don't want to stand in front of him and him say, I specifically had that scripture, that one text in Timothy that says that, you know, you're supposed to be silent in the church and and i weighed and said lord you know if i'm going to if i have to flip this coin i would rather be preaching and teaching your word with in the fullness of truth as i as i can through discernment of the holy spirit than to sit on it and not not proclaim the word of truth at all because he says go forth into all nations and proclaim the gospel and so I've, I've wrestled with that. But we can't just cherry-pick Scripture. Some of it is weird. Some of it is hard. And we have to wrestle with it. And honestly, we have to be comfortable with wrestling with it. Yeah. We have to realize that there's some tension in Scripture. Give room for our brothers and sisters in Christ who, who may disagree with us. And things that are not—Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If we believe that he is our Lord and Savior, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Other things that are peripheral to that, we can have some discussions. We can have some room to disagree. We can have a creative tension. Mm. But the truth is the truth, mm. and that cannot be compromised. Mm. And that's what, that's what we're talking about here today. So we need to be careful when we put on our belt that we don't put on the belt of false teaching. Yeah. Uh, and, and anything where we may be close or falling into potential error because we have cultural lenses when we read scripture, we always have to um, to seek feedback, seek the wisdom of other believers who've gone before us, read books that were written by scholars and the forefathers of the faith, and really wrestle with these things rather than just settle on what we think feels good to us. Yeah. Scripture is not for us to mold into our image. We are supposed to be made into the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads us to the third. So there's the third... Room. So the first one was that we fall into tradition. Second one is false teaching. And the third one is that we put on a belt or actually we remove the belt due to temptation.
0: Gotcha. So we, we want to read in Romans chapter one, and it's going to be 18 through 25. So it says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world god 's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuses and I just love this they 're talking about these people who are denying the truth they're just it's they would rather come up with these weird theories out there instead of just accepting the truth there's all these atheists famous atheists that they would say they would rather say that there's aliens who created our god who created us than just saying that there's a creator <laughs> like that's easier for them for some reason they would rather hope that there was aliens out there who created no us yeah but they will come up with all these things instead of just things that are plain in sight but it's clearly seen. You cannot. You have to try really hard to deny the truth of, of God and of Scripture. Anyways, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over into sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator Mm. who is forever praised. Amen. Mm.
1: So here's something that is just fundamental for us to understand. People, humanity is, is tends to believe and espouse the, the theory of evolution, right? Mm-hmm. That we are going from a less more like a lesser, simpler, crea- you know, creature to a more complex that we're somehow progressing. That you know, the the story of the arc arch of human progress, right? That we are becoming more intelligent, we're becoming <laughs> more enlightened, more but but this is yes. this is through science uh-huh. and technology. The commonly held belief is that we are becoming more and more intelligent and wise every day as, mm. as society, mm. right? But the, the trajectory of scripture, which is laid out here in Romans, this is not just talking about a singular generation, it's actually explaining that the opposite is true, that when God made, first made humanity, the original humanity mm. knew everything that they needed to know and they walked with God and they talked with God mm. and they had full revelation of the truth, but God, Generation after generation is continuing to hand us over to the darkening of our minds. So we think that we're getting wiser and smarter, but we're actually becoming more and more futile and foolish. So the the knowledge and the technology we have is actually where I mean, why do you think some of the great wonders of the world were made so far back? We can't we can't even duplicate them now. So as Christians, we have to we have a very different worldview, which is the fact that apart from Christ, apart from the revelation of the Holy Spirit humanity is actually descending further and further into darkness Mm -hmm. into into madness and the futility of their thinking to to not having any where where God used to be clearly visible and clearly understood and you could just look at nature and take a breath in and there was no denying that there was creation to to now where you look around and all it's where is God there's it's hard to find him. And that's be- and it's not because God is not present. It's not because God is not moving. But it's because our minds have become darkened, because of our wickedness and because of the sinful nature and of humanity.
0: Yeah, it was it was just interesting as as Trish and I were preparing. I was talking about it. I just finished reading Job, who chronologically ri- written he's he's right. That book is right in the beginning. It's right after uh genesis and exodus around around there i think it's right after exodus before the all the laws came into place for us but for some reason job was righteous among Mm. all men he knew about what needed to be done to honor god he needed he knew about the sacrifices that he needed to do he if, if you read, I think it's, ver- it's chapters 31, 32, 33, he talks about all the things that he did. There's never, there was never a stranger in the, in, the, in the city that he did not welcome in. There wasn't ever um, a widow who was who was lacking food from his table. He talked about this justice and mercy mm-hmm. and love and honoring God and sacrificing towards the sin. He had all these things even before the law was written. So I was talking to Trish about her and that's where kind of we came from it's like how did he know and she said then we were closer to god mm. like the the whole thing of cain and abel how did they know that they were supposed to bring sacrifice wow. to god before the law was written they knew that there was a relationship they walked with him they talked with him there was a, such a connection there was no need for a written law right. there but, was nothing but like as that. you
1: see then the generation that went to egypt they lost that knowledge because they were in slavery. And so you see the generations passed and then Moses comes up and they need to be taught all over again. God needs to reveal, he, even to the point that, that Moses is like, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? Like he doesn't, he literally he doesn't, has, exactly. No, I got, are in Genesis you read and, and, and you see the forefather, you see like Jacob saying, you know, Bethel, like he's able to build an altar and he, he knows the names of God. You know, even Hagar, the God who sees me, you know, El Roy. So you see over time that there's actually this loss of yeah, knowledge of absolutely. who God is. And and this is why we need scripture so much too, because we're still in that, right? We're still in that. Without the light of Christ, without the light and the knowledge, um, I just to kind of bring it to wrap the Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And so the the truth of scripture, We saw in Romans, it says, why is this happening? Why are we descending into darkness? Why is God handing humanity over to the depravity of their mind? And it says, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Yeah. This is the consequence of exchanging. So that's why it's so important that we put on the truth. The truth of our testimony, the truth of scripture, and the truth of Jesus, More, most importantly, having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, having that light to guide our way.
0: And, that, and that's what's going to bring us back to God is, is that truth. Because we need that. And that's what we need to hold on to. So to gird as tight as possible, we've got to hold on to this. So everything will hold into us as we continue going through other parts of this armor. We, we need to remember that all those parts are kind of being held on to. With this truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you're loved and covered in prayer.